On today's episode of The Glue Guys, we are going to talk about the Nets dominating West Coast trip, Mm -hmm. sending them to the top of NBA power rankings across the internet. You hear that, Mike? Regardless of what people in the Discord said, Brian. You hear that? That's that's the DX (laughs) gesture, Mike. (laughs) Um, We're going to do a new segment, Things We Love. Uh, Things We Love About This Team, because this team is, is so cuddly and sweet, and... Uh, we'll get some of your email, nutspod at gmail.com. Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, hello. Ooh, ooh, Rocky. We'll see. <laughs> Check us out on Twitter mm. at BKGlueGuysNetsDaily.com. The Athletic. Get yourself behind that paywall. Theathletic.com slash Glue Guys. Brian? Michael. It really the is. Nets are back. It really feels that way now, doesn't it? Actually, they, they don't even feel back. Yeah. They feel like they're in a place that they've never been before. Back um, and gone again. To you know, shot around the orbiting the the planet, Mike. They're flying around. They're so they're a fiery hot rocket. What a team! I was in a weird TV watching place this weekend. I was actually okay. watching. God forbid, I was watching real cable. I was on Verizon. You didn't, you you didn't, you didn't cut it yet, huh? You still got that cord. <laughs> still got the cord plugged <laughs> right into my the back of my yeah. neck like Neo oh, wow. in the Matrix. And there's a sweet little run of channels. It's like T- TBS, TNT, Paramount. Oh, that's Paramount that's, Network. That's Murderer's Row right there. Yeah. <laughs> and Back to the Future was on this weekend. And if I can make an analogy here, Brian. Okay. Um, the the Nets feel like some alternate reality where Marty went back in time. He hooked up with his mom. And now all the world's crashing down on top of each other because yeah. I don't even recognize what I'm watching with the Nets. It is so, so you're saying he hooked, up with, he hooked up with his mom and it ended up being really good. That's the that's the because this is a good situation <laughs> in that analogy. I'm just just trying to drill down on the analogy. <laughs> maybe maybe let's, too close. Let's, let's drill down on this analogy. What would have happened? Okay, obviously the the plot of the movie number one. If you haven't seen Back to the Future, plug your ears. But. Um, <laughs> He goes back in time to stop himself from hooking up with his mom. Well, so wait, that, hang on. <laughs> I, and no, 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 don't stop. Okay. So that she can hook up with his dad. Yeah. And if he doesn't, he disappears. That's a funny way of, of saying it. He has to go back to stay his hand from, anyways, sorry. What if in that first moment when he fell out of the tree, he pushed, what was it? No, his his dad was peeping on his mom and Marty pushes his father out of the way of the car. Uh, that was the meeting point of what is. What if Marty had hooked up with his mom and he didn't know it was his mom? I am not equipped for this conversation because I can tell you have a, an encyclopedic memory of of that <laughs> no, whole story. Yeah. All right, I apologize for everyone. Um, the Brooklyn Nets, wow, swept West Coast trip, beat the Lakers, beat the Dubs, and beat the Clippers last night in a really good basketball game. Yeah, Brian, good basketball games think? all around. A couple of drubbings, a couple of whoopings. Couple of comebacks, couple of almost lot blew it. It's just the whole gamut, you know. We got a little bit of everything, and and because of that, it's just this has been. I mean, I, I and we can just go right into the things that we love. I don't know. Do you want to just go right yeah. into the things yeah. that we love? Because All right, that was new our, bit. It, this yeah. is just things that we love about this team. A belated, Small and big. a belated Valentine's Day bit. You know, it took us an extra week <laughs> to think of this, think about <laughs> but um, we got it. We finally got it. Things we love. Um, if you have like a Cupid Aerobos sound effect, Mike, here's where you would edit that. <laughs> yeah, in. that queued yeah. up. Yeah, cue that right up. away. Yeah. Um, I think it happened during the Suns game, the comeback of the Suns game, mm. um, where you know we were we were just running a, a Harden a Harden offense out there, and it was and you know a scrappy squad to to um, help him along the way on his journey, um, and we came back from a large deficit and. It felt like a team of yore, you know, it felt like the Nets identity still somewhere in the distance. I could see through all the star power, all of the, all the media attention to the humble beginnings, the core of what it means to be a Nets fan, which is a pervasive underdogness, cynicism, 
that sometimes begets nice things that we all enjoy for brief periods of time. And yeah, it just made me feel really reminiscent. I finally found that nostalgic, the the rosebud sled inside of this Nets, um, <laughs> inside of this Nets team. Um, somehow during that game, during that comeback, because um, you know that that felt like an unnecessary little little um, present for us. Um, so it just it just I was I was loving the feeling that I could now begin to attach some of my because I was I don't know if you felt this way, but with all the the new you know glitz glitzy players in our roster. I, I was kind of feeling like it was a little bit hard to emotionally attach in the way that I had in previous seasons. I don't know. I could be alone on this. That's, you know, but that's just how I was sort of processing it. And this is the first, this felt like the, um, the connection, the Jack, I was jacked in and uh, not unlike the way that you're jacked into, to landline and cable. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was jacked into the team's emotional computer for the first time in a long time. Yeah. That, that son's game was incredible one because it had that effect of like everyone who was a Nets fan on Twitter at the moment who had stayed up for the game mm. was all like we are better than the fans who fell asleep right, right? like that's a fun feeling feeling better that, than that's, people that's a Nets thing that's a Nets fan thing yeah <laughs> but it also was you know every game this season because we all know what the end goal hopes to be it's that Kyrie Kevin Durant and James Harden win a championship uh, you know, the super team constructed out of the Gowanus Canal. Like, we're all aiming for that moment. This isn't a slow burn team. This was a team, a super team created in a blink of an eye, even though obviously Kyrie had been on the team last year, but that just, that was a different situation. But that Suns game did feel like, man, let's just appreciate, let's just appreciate this moment that we're in. It's like like a really good episode of Breaking Bad you know it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. You know it doesn't have anything to do with Gus Fring. It doesn't have anything to do with like the end game with what's going to happen with Jesse and Walt. It's just like a bottle episode along, you know, in season three of a five season arc that just is like, this was an enjoyable 43 minutes of television that I just watched. AMC Networks owned by James Dolan. Um, it was, and that that was what was great about the Suns game. It was there was no reason for the Nets to be in it. Uh, the Nets very easily could have just packed it in. And I think what it was James Harden was talking after the fact about, like, basically, he was looking around the locker room to see if the other guys really wanted to try hard. Mm-hmm. He asked Steve Nash. He was like, why don't you put me in yeah. and I'll play like we'll give it a go. five minutes. Give it yeah, a go. Let's see what happens in five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and, it w- and of course, it, you know, that that game is huge. Um, the Lakers game. I don't want to hear from Lakers fans that Anthony Davis was out for the game. I don't care. I don't feel bad for you. Uh, Kevin Durant wasn't playing in the game either. And the Clippers game, while very weird. So you're not much on Twitter as I am. I lurk. I lurk more. Yeah. It it was. I was. I was in a fraught emotional place. Oh. Let me track the end of the game here for you for okay. a second. Okay, please. Is that Pat Beverly? clobbers yeah sneak attacks our beloved jeff green friend of the show jeff green and and generally like the most beloved i mean the 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 feeling of a i mean the emotional connection that's that's the entry point right there it's through jeff and then trickles down to everybody else um <laughs> he is the most widely beloved nets player in I, maybe ever. I mean, can we, can we maybe say that since <laughs> since Vince Carter? <laughs> Honestly, if you're on the Discord, shout out to the Discord. Invites in the Twitter bio. We're, it's it's live. It's hype during the game, so come on in. Um, there has never been a negative thing said about Jeff Green in any context ever. And I would challenge anybody to dig up something negative on Twitter. I would challenge you. I don't think it's out there. And and Jeff Green is only he's working his tail off to do the best he can, playing small ball five for this team, doing what he needs to do defensively. And he is playing defense out at the top of the three-point line. And the pit bull that is Pat Beverly, call the ASPCA, yeah. the pit bull that is Pat Beverly, attacks him from behind. Yeah. And Jeff Green's writhing on the floor, grabbing. And I'm thinking he could be done for the year. Like, that could be like a, a clavicle, I mean, I know you're, a blown clavicle. I, I, we have to be joined on the show by the greatest uh doctor who can diagnose people via a television screen, Brian Egan. That's Dr. Me. Brian Egan. Is, <laughs> That's me. 
the, the number one doctor. What was the guy that you correctly diagnosed? It was Levert. It was the Levert dislocated ankle. That was that yeah. was the real feather in my calf here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and so I'm furious about that, and that happened. And then yeah, Kawhi. So Kawhi pushes off Harden. And everyone's like, oh, you know, all the national media, oh, Harden, you know, flopped. He flopped. Oh, my God. Well, the possession before, Kawhi drives down the lane and acts like he gets fouled by DeAndre Jordan when DeAndre Jordan's not even touching him. We don't talk about that play. Isn't every possession in a basketball game, aren't they all equally weighted? I mean, don't they all matter? That's not um, how That's not how the vast majority of people actually, like, think about things. I honestly believe, that's like, they have – they are – Signed on for that logical fallacy for sure, but uh, it was like the most beautiful karmic thing for them not to have to to have blown the review uh, timeout um, on the Pat Beverly, <laughs> uh, you know whatever mugging let's call it. Um, yeah, and uh, and to not I have haven't it. seen <laughs> yeah. worse mugging since Batman with a baby Batman walking right after that opera with his parents and his mother's pearls, the pearls. Were splattered the per- on the Jeff Green's the pearls wherever. <laughs> Green's pearls were everywhere. Um, if yeah. Jeff Green is Batman's mother, who is Batman? Who is Bruce Brown? Is Bruce Brown sure. going to become sure. Bruce Wayne? Wow, nice. A coincidence? <laughs> I think not. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, no, that was that. I was angry. That was that was the part of the emotional connectivity. You know, that's it. We're starting to get there. We're starting to feel that way towards our guys. These are our guys now. True boys, even. Yeah, I mean, and as you said, Jeff Green especially all he all he wants to do is to do the right thing. Like he, that's the only God. thing he's focused on. Isn't he that the really truth? Care about numbers? Isn't that the truth? And he just like that. And you know what is also this is how smart Pat Beverly is. Is that if you were going to attack a net, yeah, you could attack Kyrie and Harden, but Jeff Green is like th- probably just about the most important player on this team. That isn't one of the big three because he's the only guy that can play five. I agree. You know? He's well. He's just super versatile and good at all of the things that he's versatile at. Um, I also caught this on the ESPN broadcast. You know, maybe like thirty seconds after, like at the beginning of the next play, I swear to goodness, I saw Pat Beverly mocking Jeff Green, being like, "Oh my arm!" I swear, and I'm gonna go. I'm <laughs> gonna go on the league pass and and go back to that moment and dig it up and and, and put it on Twitter if I find it. Because it could be just my brain was like in such an angry place that it was projecting all kinds of wild things onto the backs of my eyelids. And it was really just, you know, tripping balls. But I swear I saw that. I I super I know the game was tight and yeah, it kind of matters and blah, blah, blah. I super wanted like Bruce Brown to just the next possession to go right through. Me too. Give it back. You know, Joe Harris actually said yeah. Joe Harris said a pretty nasty little screen on Pat Beverly in that next play. Not nasty enough for me. Yeah. You know, but I wanted 90s basketball. I wanted like some, I wanted blood. Mm. I was angry. Yeah. It was a real, that was like a real cheap shot yeah. on multiple it levels. It was. Um, even though Jeff, or I don't know, were you listening to the ESPN broadcast or the yes? I was. I was, I was doing ESPN. I was, I go met national. I just want to see what the national people say. You know, I'm just so, yeah. you know, I know I love, yes, don't get me wrong. It's not because I think it's better. It's just because I'm, I'm, you know, it's my morbid curiosity. So this is this is really my backdoor uh, things I love. My, Mike Smeltz's first thing that he loves that he will mention is the sage-like demeanor of Jeff Green. I just love his attitude about this team. We got we got some time with him, you and I, Brian. Mm. We saw into his soul a little bit. We got him to open up to us, mm. and it's really a guy who you know when you win a championship. The Jeff Greens are why you win a championship. Kind right? eyes. Like, it's got kind eyes, Mike. It's like <laughs> you know, like all the, this, this, the motherly eyes of, of large mammals everywhere. You know, just kind, kind <laughs> eyes, <laughs> like a manatee. Yeah, just, just a sweet <laughs> manatee. If any, yeah. if there was a, a spirit animal for Jeff Green for Hefe Verde, yeah, it would be a, a manatee. Yeah, just a very kind eyes, but like a really um, like a like a in shape manatee. You know, I don't want to, <laughs> you know, do it. You know. Um, my second thing, I'll jump right into my second. I mean, they're not ranked, but this is just sort of a varying list of things I love. And this kind of goes along with Jeff Green. Bruce Brown at center is like a real conversation. Not even that, like, you know, we joked, like literally the joke on Twitter, Nets Twitter beforehand was that Bruce Brown is the Nets center, Mm -hmm. right? And then it bleeds into the national conversation and you'll see 
national NBA reporters talk about Bruce Brown playing center yeah. for the Nets. It and I love I love that like in has star driven and this team is, there's still like this oddity that can exist that Bruce Brown is being considered a center at times, at least defensively. I and it's funny too, because I think it works. I think it works so well, and I'm wondering how long it'll work for. Um, like, I'm wondering what a team can do to game out a Bruce Brown center thing. Because here's what I think about the Bruce Brown situation is that people still guard him like he's a guard. And if they begin to guard him like he's a center, which is like basically his offensive range right now, is is actually sort of very much like a center. Um, not just because that's how he wants to play, but maybe that's how he's forced to play. His percentage is not looking so great. I don't mind that because he's been so good at just being a dedicated cutter and being at the right place at the right time. Um, but, you know, people are drifting out unnecessarily far to guard him because he looks like a 6'3 guy. And what, what do you do with 6'3 guys? You, you, you guard him out, you know, you guard him far. <laughs> so it's actually a really interesting look. And I wonder what the best way to defend a Bruce Brown is in the context of a um, of a team defense because it's a, it's an interesting thing to throw at someone. Yeah, because so obviously in like a seven game series against a really good team, who, if Bruce Brown's on the floor, his defender's not going to be anywhere close to him, right? Like the, that defender's going to be in the lane or helping against you know Durant or Harden or Irving. Yeah, but Bruce is a really good cutter, and he cuts in into the teeth of a defense in a really effective way. So if his guy's helping off Bruce Brown, which is going to happen, it just is, well, Bruce Brown's going to dive right into the lane and be disruptive. He's not like, you know, there's some guys who are um, positives on defense and negatives on offense who just don't move, mm-hmm. who don't move away from the corner. You know, he, he Bruce Brown is going to create a little chaos yeah. in a really positive way. I I mean, this is not a thing that I love. I'm, well, it is now, I'm just, I, but I just thought of it, and it was something that we talked about a little bit in the Discord, um, which is like all of our three best players have a very particular passing skill, which is, I mean, like, so James Harden's passing has just been un- unbelievable, full stop, right? So in a different category now, he's learned where players are going to be, and he's, his, um, he's, he's throwing them fast and accurate, and it's it's been wild to watch, but the one of the most important parts of our like three best players is that they're so good at, at like very patiently passing out of double teams. And that's like a real interesting skill and quality to have. If you have a lot of that because like Kyrie Irving is, is truly like a, like when you double team Kyrie Irving, all he's looking to do is like, like sit in the pocket basically and figure out the best pass out of it. And he's really patient and good at drawing them super far out. And that's true of all all, of, of Kevin Durant and, and James Harden too. So it's like, you know, it's not a um, a situation where it's like Embiid or someone. I, I feel like we always like invoke Embiid or, or like Giannis or whatever. But like <laughs> like star players like that, where when the double team comes, it's less of a sure thing that they're going to make like a 1A super elite pass. You know, um, <clears throat> they're able to do it, of course, but it's not like it's not their, their one of their like chief instincts, um, whereas all of our guys have that ability. And it's, and it's pretty powerful. Yeah, what's so interesting about this big three is that all three guys, as you say, can all pass and they all can handle the ball and they all can shoot. And like if you just look across like the greatest big threes in NBA history, and I'm not even going to say like this is the greatest big three, like, you know, they haven't won a championship. There's a lot that can shake out. But of all of them, like the Celtics with KG, Pierce, and Ray Allen, of course, LeBron, Wade, and Bosch. Uh, Shaq, Kobe, and whoever else you want to put as like the third guy in those moments, they're all they're all still as like a, a traditional or semi-traditional post player within that mix, right? Mm-hmm. Like Bosch evolved out of being a post guy throughout his time with Miami, but he still began still more in like I want to be down low. It's not like he was getting post ups necessarily, but he was still focused on being closer to the basket. Um, the Nets' big three is all perimeter, all ball handling, and all passing. And if you look even at like Durant's Warriors when it was Clay, Steph, and obviously Durant, um, Clay doesn't dribble. Like he he just he he famously, I think he had like one game where he scored like thirty five points and dribbled the ball three times. He doesn't dribble. He he catches a ball and he shoots it from wherever he is. And obviously he's like one of the greatest shooters of all time. But he he was not a guy who's going to break down a defense in, a, in an individual level besides just being a threat to shoot it whenever he touches the ball. The Nets do have three guys who can all attack 
all are multi-dimensional and they all can pass. And I've been, this is a thing I love and I'm, I'm going to dive right into it. Uh, James Harden as a real point guard. Mm-hmm. Um, not even like we made fun of the conversation. There was the Kyrie James Harden conversation where Kyrie says to Harden, you're the point guard and I'm the shooting guard. Right. And like famous. everyone's making a, I got the, I actually got that tattooed on my ribs this weekend. <laughs> it's famous. It's a famous one quote. side on each yeah. rib. <laughs> yeah. You're the shooting guard and I'm <laughs> the, I'm the point guard. just how much that quote got passed around. I felt like it, it was special <laughs> and I had to remember it. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it was a special moment and <laughs> it's huge, but the, even though it's ridiculous and silly and like how much people like to talk about it, Harden for the first time in his whole career is an actual point guard. So in Houston, he was like all, offense. Everything's revolving around me. Heliocentric James Harden. But the offense was, it wasn't that he was a point guard. It was just that everything was based off of whatever he did. He would drive, he would try to score, he would try to get fouled, or he would pass if he was put into a situation where he couldn't score. Now he's like playing like, I don't know, like Chris Paul, like a big Chris Paul circa, what year are we in? We're in 2021, 2003, you know? Um, like a rookie Chris Paul? Like a, like a young, wet behind the ears Chris Paul, you know? Real wet. Wait, what was Chris Paul drafted? Anyway, I'm not going to tell you. I think he was, I think, well, he would have been drafted around LeBron and Wade and Bosch around that draft. I don't, he wasn't in that draft, I don't think. But you Google and I'll talk. Yeah. But, th- but Harden is truly the point guard of this team. He's actually, he's, he's taking the ball to the floor. He's making quick decisions. The, there isn't like, I think the fear going in, even with just KD and Kyrie, was that this team was going to be like, Kyrie receives a pass. He kind of stands and looks at his defender for three seconds, does the triple threat position, does the Carmelo, like, I have the ball in my hands, jab step, jab step, turn around, then I'll start dribbling and do, you know, the slow moving sort of offense that clogs the game. Mm. None of the three stars do that anymore. No. And I maybe you credit Steve Nash, but they all are actually playing basketball in what they should do. And and to that point too, like I think we give Harden, and I'm going to jump in with a thing that I love. Um, you know, Harden's point guardness is is obviously incredibly lovable, and Harden just in general has kind of risen to the top of my favorite. the way he kind of just moves through the world feels very, um, just feels like it's up my alley. Just speaks to me mostly because my body is <laughs> headed for in that direction, so I feel like kindred spirits there. Um, that your body's going to align with his without the muscle mass. It's just the it's the the medicine ball core is what I'm really talking about. You know <laughs> that, that that center of gravity right there in the solar plexus. Um, yeah, I love that he wasn't in shape to get to the Nets, but yet they're playing him the most minutes in the NBA. Doesn't matter. You know, it's like uh, yeah. it's like those. You know, like the the meme with um, Mark Henry, the strongest man in the world. It's not far off because, those, you know, it's exhausting to be a wrestler, pro wrestler, but somehow, you know, they got big, thick guys that do a lot of cardio for that stuff and, and still maintain their <laughs> prodigious bellies. Um, not that James Harden has a prodigious belly. Anyways, the... He does. <laughs> I mean, he, he's, he still's got a, he's a got a little something. He's got a little something. I, again, yeah. the tuck. It's a, it's a bad place tuck. Um, <clears throat> and he knows it. And he knows it. He's doing it for the memes. The thing that I love, though, is on the other, the flip side <laughs> of the um, that Ky- that famous Kyrie quote now, incredibly famous, uh, of taking the <laughs> shooting guard position, uh, is that he's actually- Would you, would you let me just, w- what's more famous? Yeah. The, the words that are etched on the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> yeah, four score and seven years. <laughs> not, not, not those, I know. That's the Statue of Liberty. That's the Gettysburg Address. I know, I was just giving other famous quotes. Sorry, go ahead. The, ooh, should we call this the Williamsburg Address? Nice. Thank you. Really Sorry. nice. The Williamsburg Address. I like it. Now that works. Um, Thank you. Regarding the Williamsburg Address, he's very much leaned into that. And I actually think now that like <clears throat> Kyrie's um, playmaking uh, need has has sort of like necessarily gone down, he's really leaned into being like maybe the best microwave offensive player in the game right now. Like he he there was a great quote. I forget where I always do this, but somebody was saying I think it might have been in the Athletic. I don't know. I'm not gonna not. I'm not gonna mess this up. But that uh, Kyrie Irving is playing as though he is being judged on the difficulty of his shots. Like that's part of <laughs> part of the thing. And and there is some truth to that. Um, but they are going. I mean, it's like a magical thing to watch him sort of cook. And and I think that when he's been relieved of these 
of the like responsibility of like running that offense and gone just just full blown microwave offensive player, it's way better for him. It's way better for him on, on a variety of levels. And and he he resisted being this type of guy or like he wanted to be the leader of a team in Boston. Like he wanted to be the guy yeah. in Cleveland. Why him and LeBron clashed was at times as Kyrie has talked about this, that he wanted to be the guy. Yeah. And, and I think there's, there's an awful stigma that if you're a small guard, you have to be a distributor and Kyrie tried to fit his game into being that he's really not that. I mean, he's a good passer, totally good passer. He can, you know, make plays for other people, but he is like the traditional, like, isn't Rod Strickland his, like, godfather yeah, or something? Like yeah. Yeah. Like, that is who he is. He's in the tradition of two guards, as Kyrie now is. He's not a point <laughs> guard. He's a two guard. I don't know if you've heard. Um, that's who he is. He's he's a scorer. Yeah. And it's it's good for, like, he has allowed himself to become that. He's now, he's basically just saying, well, I, don't, I don't care anymore about being a distributor. I'm a secondary Ball handler, which is what I love about him. Let's do this real quick. Yeah. Let's take a break. Oh, okay. Coming back, we'll finish up the things we love, and then we'll get to some of your email. Fun. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we're back. Brian, Mm -hmm. how many more things do you love about this team? I've got two more things. I mean, I've got a million things, but two more that I want to talk about. I have two more as well. Nice. Do you want to go or should I go? You go. Thing I love. Small thing. Tiny thing. Oop. Okay. I like the variation of Steve Nash's hair. That is okay. a small thing. And a very and um, a very Mike Smeltz thing to pick up on. But yeah. So I don't know if everyone's been noticing this. I've been tracking it the way I have. There, Steve not. Nash does not have a consistent styling of hair. There's, there's slight variations. And I've noticed it's sort of like, I don't know if you watch Channel 2 in New York, Lonnie Quinn. Lonnie Quinn's the weatherman in New York. And he's semi-famous for Channel 2. Uh, if there's a big storm coming, Lonnie will roll up his sleeves and he's on TV and he's got his arms exposed because he's so into the the, num- the models and the mm. numbers and the, the maps. You know, he can't be bothered to to button, you know, the, right. the sleeves of his shirt. He's so he's so in the moment of the weather. Understood. Nash has that effect with his hair. Oh, okay. some days it's really quaffed, extra quaffed. <clears throat> it's really like pinpoint military accurate. And those days, I actually feel like he's more relaxed because he's spent more time with his hair. There are other days when it's more ruffled. Yeah. It has more more character to it, less treatment. And those are the days I can tell that Steve Nash, like really, he was working hard on the film and he didn't have time to perfectly plan out his hair. And I appreciate that about him. You know, you know I miss Kenny. I miss Kenny Atkinson. The Kenny's version of this was how high his forehead was, you know, how tight it was during a game. Well, that you well, know, if, it's also the half bottle of LA looks he was dumping into that and <laughs> that hair every night. We did get a Kenny. Kenny yeah. Atkinson let his hair grow a little bit. It's still LA. still using still using that half bottle though. I'll say this about Steve Nash. Now thinking back throughout his career, regard with regards to his hair, of course, um, there's been a lot of different like looks over the court, like the L, the Lakers like mega madman part like right down to the the the, like the 1950s ad exec look was was going heavy and then compare that to the phoenix suns like part down the middle long longish bob like page boy hair like which was not great (laughs) there's a lot there's been a lot of questionable decisions there over the years looks like he was in a tool cover band i don't know if lead singer of tool looked like that but in my head yeah lead singer of tool look like there's that's a pair you're wearing airwalks with that with that haircut for sure so if we ever get Steve Nash, I'm going to ask him about his hair care routine. And if he does put more or less time into his hair for certain games. And that's something I'm going to figure out. Nice. Um, that's good. That's good. We'll do that. You want one of the things that I love? I love I love that. I think I love that we got a little bit of glimpse in a couple of these games of, you know, what it would look like if we're playing playoff level defense here. Wow. There was some possessions. There were some possessions against... Uh, the Clippers and the Lakers um, <clears throat> in which, 
you know, even even Jeff Van Gundy, a guy who loves to pile on a, a lazy defensive criticism bandwagon, was saying, "Hey, these guys are playing some good some good defense here and there. This is this might be a thing. I think it's interesting to see Kyrie Irving playing defense because it's so erratic. And but when it's full effort, the erraticness kind of pays off in some instances. Um, but in general, like the guys like Landry Shamit, you know, who have who have you know been good and bad and in." you know, some ways and not in others, but like that, obviously the Devin Booker stop was memorable. Um, you had a big tweet, Mike, you had a big tweet on that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. and people are really loving the like fact that. that Landry Shamit's his creepy ass picture. I don't know if you've seen it. It's yeah. pinned to our Twitter profile. Now, yeah. uh, Landry Shamit took like a in the dark photo from, are you afraid of the dark? Yeah. It's give, terrifying. Give that a, give that a look. See, um, but yeah, just in general, like we, the defensive intensity has a level to go to we've seen some evidence that you can ratchet it up here and there which i just need to see a glimpse of it to know that it's there when when we need it you know i just need to see some evidence a little bit there's there's definitely some glimpses yeah like we're getting a peep through the glory hole of uh the nets defense is that what you mean <laughs> yeah be careful don't you... peep there long <laughs> is that what you're talking about give it a safe um, distance and it's all happening without kevin durant the nets best <clears throat> d- defender yeah um, I'm not worried about Harden. Harden's been impressive to me at times defensively. Um, you know, if you and if you think about it, and, and this isn't something crazy to say, what is he, 6'4, six, 6'5 six, with like a 6'10 wingspan or something? Mm-hmm. And he's got his his pot belly. Yeah. And having a pot belly is a good thing to have defensively. Sure. Kyrie's gonna be an issue. Um Kyrie's trying very hard at times. He really is trying to like make a statement on the defensive end of the floor. Um but he's so small uh, against, you know, like LeBron that mm-hmm. and the Nets switch everything. And you just know in the playoffs, like against really good teams, they're just going to try to switch on to Kyrie and yeah. exploit that matchup. Now, I do think Nash is doing some smart things where he's they're sending extra help, like basically the minute Kyrie gets into a bad position and the Nets are really the best thing that they do defensively particularly the role players is that they do move and they do shift and they like do make up for like the open man in the corner. Like they're really good at getting out on shooters. Um, but yeah, I, I there's glimpses, there's glory holes of defense. And, mm. um, and I, I mean, I'm loving that. The, the, the last thing that I love, this talks about defense too, but really it's a, it's a grander sort of arc of the Brooklyn nets in our time. The evolution of Joe Harris from nearly out of the league to like an essential piece on a KD Kyrie James Harden team. I every time I see Joe running out there on the floor, he's obviously, you know, he's one of the best shooters in the NBA. He's an underrated defender, as we have to say in every podcast. Um, it is still kind of incredible to me to see him like at this level because I do remember what it was like when the team brought him in. The team was terrible, he had much shorter of hair. He looked like so innocent and young. Mm. We didn't know that he was going to be this. I'm trying to think of, again, I'm trying to think of some comparable of like some character in a TV show who is on a bad TV show that gets transferred to like an amazing TV show over the course of time. Mm. I'm I'm not sure how that could ever be. It must be like some law and order show, you know, if like Olivia Benson was in for like one episode of the original Law and Order and then they based the show around her SVU. You get uh, a particular a particular look in your eyes when you're going through a Rolodex like that of of it's, I'm it's searching like, desperately. It's, it's like Rain Man kind of your, your eyes start lolling <laughs> in your because yeah. I'm trying to find you know that they say like if someone looks up to like the left corner of their eye, they're lying. Uh, and if they're looking to the right, they're they're trying to find the information. There's some that can't be real. Is that real? You know where that? You know where I got that from? Buzzfeed. Law, yeah. Law and order. order. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> you know everything. Yeah. Goes back. But I, it, <clears throat> Joe Harris has like been this like evolving constant along with the arc of the next the Nets from being a guy who is almost out of the league to being the 18 million dollar man or whatever amount of money he's making and. It, he's completely essential. And it's silly. Like, you know, that you'll see trade discussions like the Nets are going to try to get Kevin Love or someone and they would have to include Joe Harris in the trade. He's no. not going anywhere. No, hell no. Joe's here to stay. Yes. Brooklyn Joe. One of your boys. He's one of your guys. Last thing. Winning big. Love, 
love winning big, <laughs> you know, because here's the thing, like <clears throat> when we were when we were early on in the super team thing and we were, you know, getting tight L's against the freaking wizards or whoever it was, that was not fun. That was way less. The whole reason you get rid of the, you know, the emotional core, your Karis Leverts, your oh, your Jared Allen still hurts is oh, because hurts. you want to be whooping some serious ass on the other side of that, because that's you've, you've traded your sensitivity, your feelings for cold, hard dubs, big dubs. And when you're not getting it, it stings extra hard. Um, and even worse, you know, even when we are getting it, we're winning tight games to, you know, bad, not great teams. Sometimes, but, you know, 500 teams, you know, because we never beat uh, under 500 team. That's what we have. We don't stoop to playing at their level or we all go way down to it. Anyways, um, it is nice to be whooping some ass again, Mike. You know, it's nice to win double digits, big, you know, excessively against the Lakers. Um, it's great to have the three stars versus two stars in depth. I got to say it. You know, we played the the mirror like situation of that, right? LeBron without AD and depth is not as cool as, you know, Kyrie and Harden with not as much like, you know, I'm using my air quotes, like big depth as the Lakers. I think, I think if you're doing that big macro, like what's the better situation for your championship level team, the insurance of having the three stars versus the two stars when you lose one of your stars, it's pretty good. feels better. I mean, it's again, it's just one game, but I would take us in a, in a seven game series against a LeBron led Lakers and I mean, like, this is, again, just l- hate, you know, worst case scenario, whatever, like a Kyrie Harden-led uh, Nets or, you know, Kevin Durant Harden-led Nets or any of the two versus a one-star thing. Um, anyway, so that, that was a little bit of a tangent. But the big thing is winning big. Getting back to just steamrolling teams feels really nice. Yeah, it's just a delightful, mm-hmm. non-anxiety-filled moment. Yeah, yeah I, and the funny thing about that trade, I mean, there's so many implications of the trade, just real quick. Like, Karis LeVert's medical situation may not have been discovered if the trade didn't happen. Like, they found what was going on with, I think, his kidneys because of the trade, and he had to get a physical because of it. So who even knows, like, how that, you know, whatever could have played out for Brooklyn. Jared Allen would be nice. I do not miss Torian Prince. I do not miss a single... I don't want to be rude, but I don't rude, miss Mike. a single second <laughs> oh, wow. of Torian Prince. I don't miss at all seeing him come off the bench and miss four open three-pointers, and then him try to make some silly move in the paint. Don't miss try, it. Try not to be rude. Just try Here's a controversial to... opinion. Mm-hmm. I think James Harden is better at basketball than Torian Prince. So oh, yeah, that's, that's just how I feel. That's, that's, how I that's charitably framed. That's that's yeah. that's my truth. Yeah. Okay, that's my truth. So, um, yeah, I think so far, I know this trade has like eight-year implications, right? You know, they have all of the draft picks. Um, it feels pretty good to have James Harden on this basketball team. Let's get to some email. Oh, okay. Um, here, let me just go in and start reading some emails. Um, um, while while Brian pulls them up, go on iTunes right now, everyone. Just dive in. Five stars. We need them. We want to have them. We love looking at them and reading them. Um, for my wedding, people don't know this. I printed out the iTunes reviews for the glue guys on each napkin, mm-hmm. cocktail napkins. Um, they were a big hit at the wedding. That's um, true. F- four or five years ago, whenever I got married. So almost six years ago. Wow. Oh, Lord. Congrats. Oh, Lord. Big congrats to you, Mike. Mazel. Um, Mazel. Thank you. Matt, first up, Cherboy Matthew Abramovitz. Ooh. John Cena. Key the John Cena. Um, I can put that in post, right? Um, hey, guys. Do you think Shump and Roberson, Roberson, I've heard this both ways now from, from, I need need to look it up. Yeah. We'll play a big role in this team defensively later on this season, this season. Um, Matthew, thank you. Thank you for that. And everybody else, netspot at gmail.com. We can't promise to always get to your emails, but I promise to at least be reading them privately and thinking about you from afar. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, Mike, do you think Shump and Robertson will play a big role on this team defense? Robertson, Robertson, Robertson. I'm just, I'm just going through basketball reference. Um, I don't because we've seen the Nets sign these end of bench guys like Noah Vonley and Norvell Pell, mm. um, and they've never played really. Mm-hmm. Shump, can I give you a theory on Shump real quick? I would love that. 
I think that these, uh, this is a phantom hamstring injury, and they basically signed him just because Kevin Durant wanted someone to talk to on the bench <laughs> while, while he was hurt. Because they talk all the time on the bench. Yeah. And it seems strange that the second Shumpert signs with the team that he has this this injury that just mm. pops up. Yeah. Um, so I my partial be- partial belief, not, not truly, but like fun theory, is that... Uh, they just signed him just to like give him some money and to let him be a good presence on the team. But they knew they weren't they going to play him. So because they knew they weren't going to play him, they made up a phantom hamstring injury. And, That's my prediction. And the same for Robertson. Or what's what's they just they like Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah. And they just want to make and Spencer <laughs> Dinwiddie is his semi brother in law. Yeah. Um, I don't think either are going to like. I just don't think either are going to play all that much because. Unless if there's some more injuries and then you really have to give guys a bunch of minutes. I think Nash really likes his rotation. Tyler Johnson's in and out of that rotation. And Tyler Johnson, I got to give him some uh, apologies. He's been playing pretty well. Yeah. And he can't even get consistent minis. Mm. So I I just don't see. I mean, I'd like to see Rob, Robertson. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you want to see a couple of Robertson minutes playing D against someone pretty good? I think we'll see it. I, I think we'll see some looks. I mean, not like. I don't know that it's big playoff minutes in the way that the you know question is sort of framed. I don't know that he there might be a game in there where Robertson comes in and you know and plays <laughs> during the playoff during the playoffs. Um, but yeah, from that little bit that I saw in garbage time, I believe against the Lakers, I want to say um, his his body looks good, lean. You know, he's uh, moving fluidly. Um, I he he passed a very small little eye test on. Um, on NBA speed. Um, so, <laughs> so, so there's not a whole lot to go with there, but again, like we need to get, this is, this is the thing that I have with this team and the fans around it and Claxton and people like that, where again, we hear so preoccupied with guys who I hate to say it. You better fucking watch yourself. We're not. How dare you? If we're banking on big Claxton minutes, we've got a problem. That's a problem. You don't, <laughs> you don't, you know, I'm not, no disrespect to the guy. You know, he's just not there yet, and we shouldn't expect that. And I, I just I, – I see this in Nets fandom a lot where we just, like, get hyped up on a Norvell Pell signing, like, and to what end? It's it's never it's never a useful exertion of energy, in my opinion. Not that Claxton can't be great. He may, may very well be, and he can play himself into a, a position. I'm just I – don't, I don't see it as a focal point right now. I'll just say this one thing about Claxton, Brian. I know that it's, like – there's just this segment of Nets fan base that thinks that Nick Claxton is going to be basically Kevin Durant. I am interested to see what he could look like on this team. <laughs> I, I, you know, Nash is t- funny. Oh, God. Well, I hate the way what? this is going to be framed now. Like, I am anti Claxton. I don't care what no, to yeah, see what he looks like. <laughs> yeah. You hate Nick Claxton. Yeah. He's like the sweetest child. Yeah, I hate this. He's a baby deer. And you yep. want to see him fail. Yep. So that's how, that's what I interpreted from your words. Right. Well, how do you actually feel? That's what I'm asking. No, that's accurate. You got it. You know, no, no. I mean, if I'm just saying, I think we put a lot of, you know, <laughs> I just think we focus on, on fringe players a little bit sometimes as a Nets fans. It's the thing that we used to do because it's a necessity. You know, we needed our Joe Harris's to break out. So focusing on guys in the deep bench to play big roles was a big, big focal point. We don't really need to do that anymore. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and so I'll, and so this let me this is going to dovetail into the Landry Shamit trade just for one second. So Shamit's been playing better. Props to him. We've been Shamit believers, um, and he's been playing better recently. But of course, if you go back to the trade, Luke Kennard to the Clippers, Sadiq Bay to the Pistons for the Nets pick. He was the Nets pick that, of course, the Nets traded for Landry Shamit. Sadiq Bay is a better long-term player for sure in the Landry Shamit. And I think he'd probably be more helpful to this team over the course of a regular season. My only one thing is that, so the visions of Sadiq Bey is that he would be like a wing defender who could shoot threes. If you're a championship team, it's unlikely you're going to rely on a rookie to be a wing defender for you in the playoffs. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, Shaman actually, again, we saw him D up Devin Booker successfully. I think I have more faith in Landry Shamit, even though he's not playing as well as Sadiq Bey is. 
I think I have more faith in him in this current season, this one single season, than I would, you know, you know, throughout like Sadiq Bay. Like I just don't. It's hard for rookies to rise to that level in the playoffs. Yeah, I know Tyler Hero did it. I think that was that draft, right? Um, but that was also the bubble, so things were a little bit different. Um. I think we have one more email, right? We did. This is a funny one from um, Cherboy Rahan Salam. Um, thank you, Rahan. Hope I'm pronouncing all that right. Um, thought you guys might appreciate this blast from the past. Um, and then he links to this. I didn't get a great look at this, uh, but and and Here, let me click on it too. Sorry. <laughs> Yep. So this is a uh, Washington Post article from March 2017 um, by Temps. Um not, not for, It could be a friend of the show, you know, if he wants to be. Yeah, no, I I have emailed Tim to be on the show, and he in the past had accepted, and then we never did it, which is a classic glue guys bit. It's a thing where we invite people on the show, and then never and then they never we, we never we never actually to, have them come. Yeah. We had that's. I mean, we could air some like really big. Of, I mean, we shouldn't, but there's there's been <laughs> there's, hilariously big ones. Well, there, there's the biggest one, which is Jason Kidd. Yeah, Jason Kidd agreed to do the show, and 20 minutes before this is like early glue guys days. 20 was, minutes. Be- this is like three years ago, two years ago. I was in this apartment, so I remember being here. So that's at least, true. You know. Yeah, because I came to that came right. to your apartment, right? Right. And and kid like twenty minutes before the interview, his person canceled on us. Actually, just- so that that's what you got. Jason Kidd called me to laugh at me. He just started laughing maniacally, and he was like, "You he thought- Andrew Cuomo to you? <laughs> he it just yelled like, at you. It was like the the end of Carrie with the pig blood bucket, you know, dumped <laughs> dumped on my head. Just kidding. That that part didn't happen. Um, but oh, that didn't happen. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 But all the other stuff. Did. <laughs> Um, anyways, that's a, you know, we're airing it out. We're airing out the dirty laundry. This is for the, for the guys who were in here for 45 minutes, you know, big you know, treat for you. Um, anywho, uh, but this is a good, a good article and, you know, shout out to Tim where we made, we made dog you a bit here, uh, but it's all in good fun just cause like basically, um, you yeah, know, what Mar- does the article say here? In- what, what, <laughs> this is like a season like review kind of deal. It's a season review. Um, um and so the Nets have been eliminated from the title chase. This is in mid-March, so you could tell the season wasn't going that well. Right. So this would have been the 2017 Nets. So Tim Bontemps is writing like a, here's what the team could look forward to coming up type deal. Right. Um, and basically, I mean, like the big, t- not to, you know, I'm going to air out all this stuff, but not to take uh, too many shots. Basically, it's like the the takeaway is that this makes the timeline for being competitive for a playoff spot more in the range of, say, 2021, making the Nets the NBA's equivalent <laughs> of a desert without an oasis for the next several seasons. We were playing with fire here, Mike, because, well, you know, he, okay, as Coastal Media Elites, we've sworn an oath not to dog other Coastal Media Elites. <laughs> Here's what it says. Five questions answered. The number one is when will this team realistically be competitive again? And Tim goes into this whole thing, of course, about the Nets trade with the Celtics and all the pick swaps and blah, blah, blah. Uh, And this is what he says. It makes it hard for the Nets to truly begin a long-term rebuild until 2019, which isn't exactly incorrect. No, there's, there's truth there. That makes the timeline for being competitive for a playoff spot more in the range of, say, 2021. Hmm. Um, now Tim isn't wrong. We're competitive for a playoff spot. That's true. <laughs> that is accurate. Yeah. Um, of course, I don't think even in Tim Bontemps's wildest imagination, uh, the Nets would be in fact the best team in the East in 2021. That's more of a credit to Sean Marks than a slanderous statement at Timothy. Yeah. Jeremiah Bontemps. Um, what's, and what's um, this the, is actually a pretty enjoyable. It is. It is enjoyable. I recommend it. Um, the headline is, if you guys want to look at it, the, the Brooklyn Nets are stuck in a dismal per- present, staring at a dim future. Um, postmortem, <laughs> which is. I, it's, I mean, yeah. I'd still. Okay, so this is number two. How many current players fit into this version of the team, like the into the future team? Karis Levert is one of them. Uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, he even says was available for trade talks. He points to Isaiah Whitehead as being a chance to be a long-term solution as a backup point guard. And I agreed with him at the time. Yeah, you're a big, big Whitehead guy. And and this is also the draft that the Nets would eventually get Jared Allen. And, you know, will they finally move on from Brooke Lopez? Yes, they will. 
Should the Nets consider trading Jeremy Lin? Jeremy Lin was the Nets' best player at that point, besides Brooke Lopez. And number five, can the Nets convince anyone to sign with them? Uh, well, eventually. We figured that out. We finally figured that out. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so it's a good one. It's it's a nice little blast from the past. Um, it's really amazing just like how much did work out. And I think the big takeaway from it is – for everyone that's, you know, what whether we win sh- a million ships with the James Harden-led, um, you know, three-headed monster here or not, just know that these turnarounds, it's really hard. I think the four-year window, it's hard to be really, really good beyond four years or really bad beyond four years. You got to be doing something actively macro-managerially doing something wrong for to exceed both of those two windows on the spectrum, good or bad. Right. And and Tim Bontemps is a clown. No, just kidding. <laughs> oh, that's a joke. Come on, Mike. That's, Make sure that's, he knows. That is a joke. But that is uh, that's a joke. But that is this is fun to look back at. I mean, again, the arc of of the Nets history. This is all happening. The Nets, the Nets-assance that we are currently living through in this amazing moment is happening while the Boston Celtics, the team that was supposed to have the future that the Brooklyn Nets are having right now, are now 500, and they gave up a 24-point lead in a game against a Pelicans team, which isn't that great, in a loss, and the Celtics are reeling, Bill Simmons is upset, and I couldn't be happier for Boston fans being upset because they were so arrogant after as they should be after the Pierce and KG trade, that the future was so bright. And they had on their team at one point Kyrie Irving, Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, Marcus Morris, Al Horford, Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum. Mm. They had all of those people on the team at the same time. You would think that that team would be, oh my, that would be devastating right now, right? That's a That's a good team. Most of those people aren't on the team anymore. Well, the Gordon uh, Hayward thing was, you know, there was a lot there. He didn't want to be there anymore. Either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he wanted, he wanted to. I mean, he got more money, but he didn't want to be there. Hayward's, Kyrie didn't Hayward's be having there. a heck of a season, right? I mean, I could go look at my, my I'm gonna pull up the old ESPN fantasy here real quick. Yeah, Gordon Hayward's, you know, maybe just right around All Star. Uh, he didn't want to be there. Al Horford, the Celtics kind of dodged a bullet. He's that one. he's hey he's on my fantasy team. I kind of like Al Horford's output. I don't know if it's winning games, uh, but it's it's not terribly statistically. If you don't think I've looked at how he could be bought out and become a member of the Nets. Oh, wow. Uh, Sorely mistaken. You wouldn't know me very well. Yeah. But I think he has like three more years on his contract yeah, at big. $20 million. It's a lot of money. It's a lot. It's a lot of clams. Mike, take us out of here. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back in your ears as soon as possible. This Nets team is incredible and amazing to follow. Uh, we'll continue to follow it. We'll be updating you on the Jeff Green shoulder contusion yeah. situation. Uh, we believe Kevin Durant is going to come back soon. Uh, we're going to have some fun guests coming up oh. in the future. Uh, that Brian probably doesn't know. I'm, I don't know I'm striving for some more people oh, okay. uh, to be on the show. And um, thank you all for listening. Oh, uh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>